All right, can you, uh, can you say, love endures. I hope that by now, as we've been looking at love the last couple of weeks, you're beginning to, to grasp this idea, all right, if you haven't already. We're going to celebrate with the Lord's table and supper at the end of the message, but I want to just revisit uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want us to wrap up. I, I don't feel like it would be right for us to go through the first several verses and just say, see you later. So if you got your Bibles, grab it, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's one of the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, grab one in the pew in front of you, um, and we'll be able to track with the, Lord, the Lord's word in that chapter. As you're turning, a mother of three was recounting and recalling how her kids, when they were younger, were just infatuated with the trash truck. And I can relate to that because Micah, every time it shows up, he runs to the window and he wants to go watch the trash truck pick up with a big claw the, the, the garbage pail and tip it in and, and do all of its cool things. But this mom would remember how they were so fascinated watching that waste hauler just empty all those trash bins. And then after it did that and the man was operating the lever and, and things went up and down, then the compactor came and the compactor would make the trash into smaller manageable sizes and it was just all so wonderful. So on one morning when mom turned 35, dad said with a smile on his face to the children, kids, do you know what makes today so special? To which the five-year-old rushed past mom's open arms and ran to the window and says, it's garbage day. Oops. Oops. That kid totally missed it. Sure, it's trash day, but there's something else more important happening today. It reminds me of the church in Corinth that we've been looking at and thinking about and Paul is talking to, that there is something happening that's important and special, and yet there's an oops. There, there's there's a, a missing of what is major, a missing of what is most important, that which is more imminent, that which is more critical, that which is more important is not what is in the forefront of their minds, is not what is in their line of view. And this church has been focusing on the wrong things for a while. So Paul says, I've got to speak. So if you've missed the first couple of series, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the, the preeminence of love and how we are to be marked by love. The Christian, as Jesus called us, they shall know you are my disciples by your love. Love one another, therefore the world shall know that you are my disciples. We are to be marked by this characteristic of love, this virtue. It should follow every believer. It should be the mark of a Christian. Then we talked a little bit about how, um, in, in the last couple of weeks, what does love do? Because, you know what, it's important for us to see that it's critical. We're to be marked by it. And at the end of the day, when we stand before the Lord... He's going to look in his accounting system and it won't matter how much we've made or how, how, how much of an impact we've tried to make and how much we've amassed and all these different things. If we did all of those things without love, our account will say zero. 
Much like an investment, you've invested all your life, you're hoping for compounded interest and all these different things, and then when you go to make your withdrawals, there is no balance. It is so important. So if it is so critical, we need to understand and define love in the manner in which Paul defines it. We need to understand what it truly is. And so the week after, we, we talked about how love is a verb and love does certain things. We might look in our Bible and it's translated into adjectives. But when you look at the, at the language of the Bible, it was all verbs. So love is something that there is a choice, there is an action, and it is a pretty um, worthwhile list for us to pursue, chase after, emulate. And so we talked about that. And today, I want us to take a look at the last part here as we conclude verses 8 through 13, at the longevity of love. And some things that come out in Paul in the midst of speaking on love and focusing on what they were focusing on, he brings some clarity to this Corinthian church that I think is very applicable to us today, especially in light of what we're anticipating and what God has been doing and moving in our midst. So if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, say amen. amen. Let's begin in just a minute. Father, I thank you for your word and I ask you, Lord, that you would speak to us and minister to us in your precious name. Amen. Many of the Corinthians, they were focusing on what was wrong. And these guys were super concerned with things that were in their line of view and was active and present within their church, was impacting their community upon that time, and they were excited for it. They were, you know, um, you know preferring such things, and they were missing the mark on really what God had called them to live and emulate, which is love. And so the first thing that they are so concerned about that we've already started speaking in the last couple of weeks is that this was a church that was focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're a church that is focused on the giftings of what they have. They are focused on what they are able to enjoy and what they're able to do and accomplish and, and how much they can do this versus another person may not be able to do that. And they are so concerned with this stuff that there is a lack of love among them. There is divisions that are being sown. There's, you know, one in one family, there's a man who's deciding to stay and have relations with his father's wife. There is brothers and sisters who uh, are coming to the Lord's Supper and table, and they are going ahead and just abusing that moment and eating and not allowing any of that to be left over for their other lesser endowed lesser resourced friends and so they're forsaking each other there is division among them saying i am better and i can do this and i'm of this group and that group and there is a lot of division that is happening and there is no love that is reigning among them so with all of their focus on what is wrong paul brings out verse eight it says this love never fails but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. 
So the first thing that I want to bring to your attention today is that in this passage, when Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, he tells them something critical and of importance, and that is this, that there is a longevity to certain things, but the gifts of the Spirit, it's not as long-lasting, as enduring, as love itself. The gifts are temporary. He begins by establishing the temporal importance, the eternal importance of love, and by default, the contrast of the thing that they were focusing on. Love never fails. Love has this basic meaning of falling here. The word that they use is the word for falling, which, which means like, how can it fall? If you think of a flower, as, as it withers, the petals begin to wither and then they fall down. They fall to the ground. Love does not act in that way. It shall never wither or fall to the ground. It, does never, it never ceases. It never decays. The word never refers to time rather than it refers to frequency. Meaning that there will be no time. There never shall be a time where divine love shall fail or fall. When I think about that, it brings joy to my heart. Aren't you grateful that there is a God who loves us and love for God shall never fall. His love shall never decay. His love shall never cease. It shall never stop. Love, the only true motive for exercising of the gifts, that will never fail, but it will always endure. You guys are so excited about the, these gifts, but the reason you actually use them is for the sake of love, and love shall never fail. It will endure throughout all of history. It never will stop existing. It was not designed to be adapted as where spiritual gifts to the present state of our existence, but for our future and our immortal state, we're going to see that love will continue. It's permanent. It will not end. It will not cease. It will never be terminated. It will never be abolished. It will always continue. It is singled out as the most supreme of all possessions, and it's done so in this remarkable way. It is wonderful. Paul, he, he, he goes over and he starts talking to these guys and he says, look, this is love. Now let me contrast that with the things that you guys are concerned about, these gift things. And precisely the ones that he starts mentioning is prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. He starts speaking about these things that are wonderful and incredible. And he tells them, yes, those things are good, but they are temporary. These things are will be fulfilled at one point. They will end and cease at one point. Love will not. These things will. Isn't it interesting that some of us, myself included, can get very caught up on things that are very temporary. We get, you know, bent, all out of shape, on some things that honestly, you know, you, you look back and maybe it might have been the thing that was dominating your attention for a week and the next month is nowhere near, it's nowhere on your radar. And we were so consumed, we lost sleep over that. We were concerned about that. We maybe even lost relationships over that thing. And it's, it's completely done away with and it's over. They are concerned with things that are going to be abolished, fulfilled, completed. They will not be forever and ever and ever. And so one thing that I want to bring out here today is this, that although Paul is talking about love enduring and the gifts ceasing, 
One thing that I want you to understand is that you've entered into a Pentecostal charismatic church this morning. And now you may, you know, you may have heard those terms and, you know, maybe you know what they mean or maybe you do not. But let me just, you know, put it in a very simple way. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how God operated in the New Testament, how he showed himself active in the New Testament church in the book of Acts through the, the charismatic gifts, the, the charis of God, um, these things are still in operation today. They will cease one day, but I don't believe that the day is today, okay? If you are of our persuasion, you believe in the same thing. And here is, is, is the point, that some people look at this passage and they say, you know what, healing is not for today anymore because Paul says that the gifts are going to cease, that prophecies will end, that, you know what, uh, tongues will no longer uh, be in operation, that knowledge will no longer be given. Well, let me just tell you this. If the purpose of the giftings is to point us to the enduring quality that never ends, which is love, then why would the gift in this time, in this present age, be completed? If it's still accomplishing a purpose. Lonnie, are you still here? Come on up and get, get on ready. You got a testimony to share. So I, I want you to understand that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. He said that some things shall cease and end, but I don't believe that they're ending today. They shall end, and we'll talk about what it means to be fulfilled in a second. You, you've got your mic. Go ahead and share with us what you told us at staff meeting earlier this week. So I, I just, God's moving, right? We know that, okay? Uh, he's really been moving in this church, especially this year, I feel. Um, and we had an amazing service last Sunday. Um, it's so great to see baptisms and people going to God and giving their life. Um, I was really touched. And, you know, sometimes we all have to make a place to come to the altar, right? And just give everything to God. So after all that, I was crying pretty much from here to work because I had to go to work on um, last Sunday. So I'm there and this guy comes into my job and he, he's like, yeah, I want to get this ring. And he said, can you engrave on it? my heart for Jesus. And I said, yeah, I think we can do that or whatever. And so then I said, um, so do you go to church? And he was like, yeah, I go to church, um, Pentecostal church in Boston. I said, oh, okay. So he starts talking to me. He's telling me a little bit about his church, his family, um, you know, just, just different things. And then um, he said, I have a word for you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I have... Um, my coworkers are there. Uh, one of them has started to go to church, um, and I've given her a Bible, and she's getting excited about it. So she was like, oh, wow, like she, she was interested. Um, I have another employee there very into astrology. Um, so she was also watching this happen. And I said, okay. So he starts giving me a word, and it's just so spot on. Um, <laughs> about my life. There's no way he could have known. No way he could have known. I was crying, shaking under the Holy Spirit in my job. I work in a store in the mall, so like anybody can just come in or anybody can just see this from the outside. And I was just like, God, like I need to control myself. And I just heard God say, no, I'm working here. I said, okay, <laughs> okay. So then after that, he's like, can I pray for you? And I said, sure. So one of my employees had to walk out, so they walk out, and then the other one, she's just standing there, and he puts his hand on my head, and he's like, 
hot like in the Holy Spirit. And I'm shaking under the power of God. Like, it's like we're in church. And I'm crying. And I know she was just like, oh, my gosh, like, what's happening here? And he's just praying in the spirit. And then after that, he was like, bless you, sister. I said, thank you. Um, And he walks out. He's like, yeah, I'll be back about the ring. I'm like, okay. So he walks out. And then my employee, she has tears in her eyes. And she's like, what was that? I'm like, that's God. And when my other employee came back, I told her about it. And she was just like, wow. And she had tears in her eyes too. But I say all this to give God the glory because he's working. Amen. And he's not just working in the church. He's working out there. And there are people that are hungry. Um, There's this other thing that I was doing, just like asking people, do you want Bibles? I've given away over 20-something Bibles to people. They're hungry. And my prayer is just that as a church, not just here, but a church around the world, that we get hungry. We get so hungry that we start to, through the Spirit of God, feed everybody that is hungry as well. So praise God. I'm just waiting for him to do more miracles. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. The gifts are for today. You know, the God who, who highlighted a man to go into that store and speak a word of knowledge to her. Like, what she didn't share, she shared with us earlier, was she was talking, started, he started sharing things about her, the contemplations, the things she was thinking about related to her job, decisions she was about to make, things that we have prayed around our staff meeting room table and asking God for his guidance and direction, something that this man did not know. And God was revealing it in his prayer to her. And he confirmed to her, my daughter, I love you so much to tell you you're exactly where you need to be in this time and this season. Don't move. Stay right here. See, God's gifts of knowledge, his gifts, what the Holy Spirit wants to do, his operation in this world is still for this day. And it is motivated by the virtue of love. Love showcases these gifts. Love's empower empowers these gifts. It's for love's sake that a a coworker can look at that and say, what was that? With tears in her eyes, yearning for an encounter with God. That is God's love and operation to meet the lost. Amen. So the gift things are for today. And we see that in the Bible. We see that here. Paul is telling them, guys, look, don't Get focused on chasing the gift that is temporary. One day it shall be fulfilled. When? When we are in our eternal state with the Lord. We don't need at that point in time to have God show up with the word of knowledge. Why? Because we will be exposed to him who is all knowledge. We shall know all things in him. Right now we see dimly as we're going to read in just a bit. But we will stand before God. We won't need any tongues then because we will understand and speak the same language as him. We won't need the giftings of faith. Why? Because uh, in that moment... We don't need a surge to move mountains. He has moved every mountain. He has fulfilled every promise. He has established everything. So why do we need the giftings? We need it now while we are not yet in our eternal state. But until we get there, it will continue to operate. And we need to yearn for it and seek after it with a heart of love. That we may be able to empower more people, compel more people, and invite more people into the ministry, into the love of the Father. Amen? 
It is that that he's talking about in terms of temporary. He goes on in verses 9 and 10 to explain, For we now know in part, prophecy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. What is that? And some people say, you know what, that is the Bible. Um, you know, when the Bible was, was wrapped up and canonized, that became the perfect that was to come. And so because of that, and, and unfortunately, this is what uh, some people take as interpretation and context, and they start saying the gifting is not for today. They say the Bible is now fulfilled and we have all, hey, amen to that. But I believe that all throughout the scripture, if you go from the Old Testament to the New, God is revealing himself in more and deeper ways. He's building upon it time and time again. How he revealed himself to Abraham, he further revealed himself to Isaac and a little bit more. And then he goes on to Jacob and he continues all throughout through the prophets and through the kings all the way to John the Baptist has another revelation. And then Jesus comes, he gives newer revelation and fulfillment, but it all keeps going and growing to the point where Jesus says, hey, there is none greater than John born of women. But then he says, he's the least of these in the kingdom. There is revelation that is compounded upon revelation. And today we do have the privilege and the blessing of the scriptures that they did not. They may have walked with Jesus, but they didn't have the canon, the scriptures completed, that they can see all the nuances and different perspectives and all the writings and be you know, pointed with the help of the Holy Spirit to the Lord time and time again. It is awesome, but I do believe if God is still in the business of showing up through the giftings of his spirit to, to woo the hearts of man, to grab people's attention, then it cannot be that the word has fulfilled and caused the gifts to cease. So if you have dabbled or thought or considered cessationism, I would challenge you, keep looking further. If God is able to, in a Memorial Day service, somewhere out in the, wet, uh, mid, um, in the western Massachusetts, take a group of us uh, we were going together to go to a church service a pastor was there preaching and all of a sudden this guy says step out on the in the aisle and he points to me I step out in the aisle and he starts revealing to me things that were in my heart and my mind decisions that I was about to make and he said you're thinking about going into Bible school and you will go into Bible school you're going to go into vocational ministry you will change your career and profession who are you guy and how do you know this about me God is in the business of revealing things. They may be temporary, but we're still in the temporary time. So press in and seek the gifts to fulfill the mission and the calling of God. We may not know everything about him now, but one day we will. And until that day comes, I will do everything within my power to continue learning more and experiencing more of his revelation and empowering more people to fall in love with him and speak the truth and the word of God to people as he has called us to speak it. So choose to believe in the giftings and the works of God. Paul goes on to say in the next verse, he says to them this, that yes, the gifts are temporary. They are also elementary. They, the, the, these gifts are are you know, they're not as mature. They're, they're not full-fledged, okay? Verses 11 through 12, they're not as developed. There's still transformation to be done. There is something greater that it points to. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. See, young children, babies, they behave like children, don't they? It would be ridiculous for me to be upset at my kids for barfing and spitting up, 
and for my son as he's being potty trained to, to have an accident. It would be silly of me to, to be frustrated at that. Why? Because kids will do what kids do. And it's okay for him to behave that way. But if my son goes into college and he's still having accidents in his, di- in his underwear, then we have a problem, right? So we expect kids to behave as kids, to not understand all things, to get focused on the elementary things and to lose it out. And that is, is something that grieves my heart because sometimes I look around and I see people throwing the baby away with the bathwater when it comes to the giftings of the Holy Spirit. As the church was so concerned with, you know, I have this gift and I have that gift. I'm excited about being able to prophesy and being able to speak in tongues. And, and I have words of knowledge and you don't and, and all these different things. They're concerned like little kids and getting caught up and bragging like little kids on things that are elementary. The most important thing is what it points to and what it leads to and what it's going to reveal and the love that it's going to proclaim, the love that it's going to establish in in the lives of the people that are encountering it. Unfortunately, there's so many that have been burned by those who are so consumed with manipulating the gifts of the Spirit that they throw away the potential of encountering the genuine, authentic thing. They just discredit say, God doesn't move in this way anymore. God's not active and alive and operating in this way. Then you got those who are purposefully manipulating these gifts for their own gain. You know, I was watching a thing, I'm not going to mention the ministry, but I was watching uh, this thing just online. A very known Bible scholar was, was just kind of like irritated and speaking out against this to try to help people not fall prey to such methods. But this man was, was having a meeting and, and he had people fill out connection cards and things before they came into the service. And they had called this man before. And now he starts like speaking all these things in order to, to appear like he has a word of knowledge about this man in the church service. And you can see that the guy is like, uh, nope. Like, I don't have that. Or and he's like, you, you have a family member by the name of this. You got a person that you know that's named Fred. He's like, I don't know a Fred. Who Fred are you talking about? And he genuinely doesn't know. He's like, he was a person within your family tree. Uh, there's no one in my family tree called Fred. But the guy starts saying, and, and then all of a sudden the, the preacher goes and he says to him, all right, you know what? You, you don't want to get the blessing of God. I'm going to just turn you over to, to Satan and he'll deal with you. To which the guy is like, um, you no, know, no, I, I was just, the spirit of confusion was on me. Why? Because there's so much pressure and the people that are around him and the others that have the mic and and the folks are are trying to just affirm this man who is operating under this false gifting of God, who has their attention, is trying to give a word and encourage the people to financially give. It was appalling to see. And unfortunately, it happens. But let me just tell you this, church. When you encounter God genuinely and authentically you will know the difference between what is fake and what is real when he gives you a word and he speaks to you something that was only in your knowledge and purview and it affirms you and it points you to him others they 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 start speaking and being used by god but all you are left with at the end of the day is how much arrogance is within the messenger that brought you the message. And it points to them, which was the video was showing. This guy was just elevating and propping himself up as, as the man, as the, 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 the messenger from the Lord. And unfortunately, if that's your aim, you got your reward. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you will also have to answer for that. 
The word says that it'll be better for you to throw a bill, tap, wrap a millstone around your, your neck and throw yourself into the sea than to lead astray one of the little ones. It will be easier for Sodom and Gomorrah when they are judged than you who have led his children astray. So all of us, as we seek God and, and pursue the genuine giftings of the Lord, we got to understand that what they are being used for is elementary. It is a method, a tool by which they can point people to the ultimate fulfillment, the great perfection, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord, who will fulfill every gift, who has operated perfectly in every gift, who is faithful in everything, and who wants to share his love with us. Mature Christians live for the eternal and the permanent, not the temporary and not the elementary. Verse 12 contains a comparison. He goes on, he says, For we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as also I have been fully known. We need to understand that God, at this very moment, understands us wholly and completely. He knows us intimately inside and out. He can perceive all of our thoughts, all of our intentions. He knows the words before they leave our lips. He has seen our days as it tells us in the Psalms. He's written them down in his book and he has uh, created us for good works ahead of time. It's all his idea, it's not ours. Some of us think that we, we can take the credit that you know what, I'm helping God out. Hey, he's done it all. He's created a plan. He has orchestrated his desire for us. Now we step into his plan and work with him and pursue him as he brings the great fulfillment that is greater than the things that we might catch a glimpse of. I get excited when I see the gift of God in operation and it gives me a moment to praise him and glorify him and, and people get activated and faith is, it, it rises up. But you know what? It doesn't give us the whole picture. It's just little glimpses, and one day we're going to get to look him face to face, to know him. Moses says, Lord, I want to know and I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. God said to him, you can't see my glory and live. I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'll pass on by. You'll see me. Just, just, just you'll see a portion, right? Same thing that happens with, with the, the prophet Isaiah. God is, is allowing us to, to, to catch glimpses of him. And there will be one day when we're going to understand all that he has. So one thing that I just want to bring to your attention is, what is the point of the temporary and the elementary? Well, you know what? Pursue the gifts of God with tenacity. Just go after it. And don't be like these folks who are saying, like, you know what? It's, it used to be for a season and it's no longer. Pursue it and pursue the purpose behind it, which is to encounter the love of God, to reach people with his love, to allow people to get to know him and bring glory and praise to the Father. If he chooses to use a gifting through your life, in your life, praise him. That is not the main goal. The main goal is his kingdom and his glory. Amen? Pursue it. Don't reject it. But then too, I want you to also realize that you may not understand everything right now. So the things that are going on in your life, they are just little snippets. You have elementary information, immature information. One day the, the, the curtains will be peeled back and you will understand the fullness of what God intended, what God was orchestrating, things that he has done for you. Have you ever had a moment where you look back to some things in your life that was so near and dear and important and critical and you go back and you think about it and you're like, praise the Lord that it didn't work out the way that I thought I wanted it to work out because if it did, it would have been something terrible. It would have been 
something that's not from my best. Look where he's brought me to now. This is so much better than I dreamed of back then. Anybody ever had a moment like that? Come on. Give him a witness today. I know he is faithful to do that, and he will show us greater things. I know, like, this analogy was very relevant to them because Corinth was known as a place that made these incredible uh, uh, mirrors. They would use brass and polish it and silver and polish it, and they would do all their best to get it nice, spick and span. But at the end of the day, it was dim, there would be a, a, a deficit and a contour, and it would de- distort the image that was seen there. So this, this was very clear to them what Paul is saying. You might see some things. You might understand some things about God's love. You might understand some things about his plan, but you're not going to get the full picture until the perfection comes. How many of you have ever tried to take a picture of a beautiful scenery, you know, whether it's a night a night skyline or, you know, the moon or the stars. It's just, you know, the, 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 the sunset and it looks incredible as you're just admiring that moment. You take a picture, you look at your phone and it's like fails in comparison to what you saw. It's the same way. As we encounter God and his plans, his purposes for our lives, the giftings that he has, how he wants to use them and operate them in us and through us for his kingdom. When we look at all of these things, it's like we're looking at a glass dimly. We're looking at it distortedly. We can't see the full picture if we can just look at it with our own eyes and see all the color and the vibrancy and the beauty that's there, the details that the camera just won't capture. God wants to reveal that as we focus on love. He will show us the beautiful picture that he has for us, in us and through us. I'm, I'm going to move on to the next thing and just for the interest of time. So if you go to verse 13, he says this, but now faith, hope, love, abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. At the end of the age, spiritual gifts will pass away. This passing has nothing to do with their loss of power, their loss of effectiveness, but they will be fulfilled. The reason for their existence will be done. At that point in time, we need no more prophecy. We need no more tongues. We need no more revelations of knowledge. We have all of these things, but what will remain forever will be faith, hope, and love, and love being the greatest of all. And so if you stop and think about this, if John tells us that God, in fact, is love, to reign and rule with him, to be with him in our eternal state, to to meet him and abide with him will be to enter into the fullness of what love truly is, which is God. We will get to experience that throughout all of eternity. It will not cease, but only begin. That's the moment where love truly will will begin to understand and comprehend and enter into the expression and fulfillment and, and, and living out appreciation of love. See, faith makes all things possible. Praise the Lord. Hope makes all things bright. Love makes all things light. It makes things easy to bear. It makes things good to experience. The passage closes in a way that is with a superlative. The greatest thing, this agape, this love of God is the greatest of all things. It's going to reach into the the new 
eternal state that God has for all of us. And sometimes you might wonder, well, what about faith? How, why would we need faith in this moment? Why do we need hope? Like hope is, you know, we only hope for things that we don't yet have. And we're going to now experience God and be in his presence. So the hope that we wanted to experience him, we now have. So what does hope have to do with all this? Faith and hope in this sense has to do with trust as we will always continuously live in God's love. We have trust that it will always be sufficient, always be everlasting, that it will always be worthwhile and trustworthy we will be able to experience that so those three will remain our faith will save us but our love will benefit other people and this is the most important thing that paul is trying to get to with this church guys you've got faith Guys, you've got hope. Some of you have more hope than others because you have more giftings than others. Some of you guys have the gifting of faith and the gifting of this and that and you can do incredible exploits for the Lord. And so it's awesome, but I want you to understand that all of these things are good for you. But I want you to enter into love because that will be good for others. Love will be good for everyone. It moves people into action as it is a verb. It marks people and it breaks down barriers as it is a compelling force. Love is the greatest, not only throughout eternity, but here right now in our earthly life. It's inherently greater because it's part of God's very nature. I'm gonna invite the team to come on up. Our best efforts, if they're deprived of love, they ring hollow. We talked about that in week one. It profits us nothing. We gain nothing. Yet the smallest loving act can hold eternal significance. I was so encouraged by Francois' story in our small groups. Marie, Francois, um, I'm not sure if you're here today. She might be getting the cafe ready. Um, She was telling us that when she came to church many years ago in this place, she was going through a lot in her life and experiencing a lot of different things that were happening. And uh, she was going through a lot of stress and turmoil within her job. Life was complicated. Her emotions were not in the best of place. She was actually contemplating how to harm herself. And she entered into church. A lady who she did not know, who had watched her for a time, and, and, and experienced her style, saw her style, her fashion sense, and all that stuff. She went out to a store, bought her purse, and brought it, and says, I brought this because when I saw it at the store, it reminded me of you, and it made me feel like this is something you would like. And she did that one little act of love to a person that she did not know, And it became an anchor point for her to trust in the Lord, that God was watching over her, that he cared for her. She was encouraged. And I would say it's probably saved her life. It's an incredible thing what love will do. I'm sure you can testify to its power in your own life. If you stop and contemplate what God has revealed how God has showed himself faithful, how he has just showed up and showed you that I care for you. When he does that through others, it's not something we'll easily forget. Love is a great virtue. 
It lasts because it's eternal. That is God's very nature, and that is why we are to choose love rather than everything else. Use what is good. Exercise the giftings. Understand that they are primitive in their nature, that they are useful for a purpose, but there is something greater that is more eternal and everlasting, and that is love. I'll leave you with this image. Suppose that we, as a church here, Celebration International Church, suppose that we wanted to grow a vegetable garden somewhere on our property here. Suppose that we would gather together over this cause, which I think would be great if we could be able to create vegetables and then be able to use that to supply needs within the house here and even serve our community. That would be great if we could grow some vegetables to beat some needs. Some of you guys got vegetable gardens at home. You're like, yep, that's a great idea. I got some seeds I can bring to you. Um, But suppose that in the process of us wanting to plant this vegetable garden, that we got distracted from the work of actually planting the vegetables and we began to compare our gardening tools. Imagine that we started to look at, you know, the fact that I am focused on using my rake. I have a rake while you have a shovel. And I look at you and I say, you can't do the work that I can do with the shovel, so why are you using that tool? That makes no sense. You're wasting your time. You're not as efficient as I am. Your shovel ain't that great. Or suppose that we're both using shovels. And we start to look at each other and I get a little jealous because yours is a better quality than mine. Your shovel has more bells and whistles than mine do. It doesn't have the nice grip that's comfortable when I'm using it. So I have calluses on my hand while you're nice and smooth. And I look at yours and I start fighting, becoming jealous or envious. Or suppose that we both have shovels, we're fine with that fact, but we look at the man with the wheelbarrow and say, look at him, show off. Look at this guy, thinks he can do more than us. How come he's working less hard than we are? Or maybe the opposite. What is he trying to prove a point by working harder than us? He's carrying a heavy load. What's going on? Suppose that we get caught up in the tools that we're using. If we kept this up, we just wouldn't end up with too many vegetables. We wouldn't end up with our end goal of what we're supposed to do. People, friends, the world needs the gospel. It needs to look at a church and see a church that is operating in the giftings of God through the motivations of love. Empowered, compelled, stirred by love for them and for each other. How are we going to reach this world if we're too caught up with just arguing with each other? How are we going to reach into this world and share the giftings of God if we're just concerned by how God will use me and what he's done for me and how the gift has impacted me? And we're so concerned with the primitive, elementary thing of what God has deposited and brought to you, an authentic, incredible gift, but you missed the point of the gift. 
is for you to use that and leverage it for the greatest good of his kingdom. That you can become a megaphone shouting to the world, this is how much my God loves me, how much he loves you, that he wants to use this to bring his truth into your life. I want the world to have veggies. I want people to know the Lord. I want people to know this church and say, this is a church that has love in their DNA. It's a church that is infused, motivated, compelled. And that love orchestrates in so many different ways. It ministers and it operates in so many facets. It fulfills so much and it brings me to the perfection of it all, which is Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior.